The weather has been nice lately, but I'm still very suspicious. Everyone knows how the weather works in Michigan. One day it could be snowing, the next day it could be sunny and 60 degrees, the following day it could be windy and rainy, or all three of those scenarios could be taking place in the same day. You never know. But I feel like the last couple weeks I've been outside, I've gone on a bike ride, I've gone on walks, and with daylight savings, now it, it, it's it's lighter out later in the evening, which is hype, but something seems fishy. We've had a couple days where it's like literally pushed 70 degrees, and I just feel like this is all a tease. I mean, it's t- it, today, right now, as of this recording, uh, it is March 23rd, and it looks like rain the next couple days, but... It's still early. I mean, there's. I, I just feel like it's going to snow when we least expect it. And it's going to suck. And we're so used to this warm weather and this this the sun being out for once. And I think it's going to bite us in the butt. I hope that's not the case. But I wouldn't put away your winter coat just yet. Welcome to Motor City Hardball, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. On today's episode, we're joined by Jake Waller. Well, today we are joined by none other than the Detroit sports mega fan, Jake Wolick. You may know him as Shelby Wolick's brother uh, and quite an avid sports fan. Uh, whether it's Oakland or Michigan or the Tigers or the Lions, he's very vocal about the team that he is watching. Jake, how are you doing tonight? What's going on? Brandon, thanks for the great introduction. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that the weather's getting nice and baseball season's right around the corner. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, baseball season is right around the corner. Spring training is is flying by. Uh, how, how much how much spring training have have you watched? I know what's what's tough is the Tigers, they only broadcast like five games on Fox Sports, so it's difficult to watch, you know, every game. But sometimes, you know, if they're playing the Phillies or playing the Yankees, they will be, uh, you know, telecasting that game. So have you had a chance to, to watch the Tigers? How, how much have you kept up so far this spring? So I would say every televised game that I've had the opportunity to watch, I've watched a good majority of it. Um, it, there's been games on MLB Network as well uh, that have been broadcasted that Fox Sports Detroit hasn't covered. But other than that, I do try to listen to the games uh, uh, that are mostly covered on 97.1, uh, for the most part, a good majority of them. So I've, I, I, I've covered uh, a good amount of it so far. Um, got to really uh, see what we got going on. I really enjoy the competition that's uh, being formed for the first time in a few years here that we've built up with the roster in spring training, a lot of position battles. Um, and a lot of intriguing players uh, who are fighting for a spot on the roster. I think lately, you know, Akil Badu is really making a name for himself, and it's going to be interesting because it looks like he is going to get a roster spot, so it's going to be interesting to see who, what spot he takes away. That's my, uh, that's my kind of big insight uh, of a player who's come on the scene so far in spring training. And then, of course, um, seeing how these pitchers are performing with the new philosophy with Chris Fetter, our new pitching coach. Um, I'm very, very intrigued by him and seeing what he can do to some of our pitchers who um, really uh, see if he can get the most out of them. A guy like Daniel Norris, 
who's kind of just been at that cusp the last few years of really trying to break above that average point. And um, so far, I've really liked I've seen um, how uh, Chris Fetter has worked with our pitchers. So those are the few storylines that I've taken away so far. Couple quick storylines from Jake. I, I I'll tell you what. I totally agree. Um, I I love Akil Badu. I think he definitely has an opportunity to really make an impact on this team. But before we sort of dive into the details, uh, I I wanted to bring up a a little bit of a, a story. Uh, something that happened last season. Obviously, it was a shortened uh, sixty-game season, and there was a summer camp, like spring training two point uh, it took place at Comerica Park, and you had a very interesting moment uh, with outfielder Jacoby Jones. Can you tell us a little bit about what went down? You know, it's funny because you know, I, I I should probably think about that more than I do because I may be I may quite possibly be the only fan who caught a ball last year because no fans were allowed inside the stadium. But it was I live uh, I live in downtown Detroit, and it was a Beautiful day. Um, the Tigers were playing in just an inner squad game against each other and kind of, like you said, spring training 2.0, prepping for the beginning of the 60-game season. And I just uh, was hanging out downtown. I uh, went and I stood on top of the center field fence, which you can really – you can't really see inside of it too much. But I got a little peek of Jacoby in center field. He caught the third out of the inning, and I yelled his name, Jacoby, Jacoby. He couldn't see me, but he knew I was over the fence and I was screaming. And he must have chucked that ball. It was a long, long throw. And as I was looking at it in the air, I didn't even think it was going to get over the fence, to be honest with you. But it did. It got over the fence. And uh, I was the only person there. So I got the ball. And it was it was very – it was awesome because uh, not a lot of fans got an opportunity to get a baseball last season. And somehow one wound up in my hands. So that was, that was awesome. But as always, I, I try to, uh, I, I've caught a lot of foul balls in, in my life and I, I really, I probably didn't take the time to think how important that ball really was. Um, and I try to give the balls to, to somebody special in my life or somebody who maybe hasn't got a ball. So I actually, I ended up giving it to a small business owner in Detroit who, um, a coffee shop that I used hung around a lot during the summer and she was new to Detroit, opened up a new business downtown and I kind of gave it to her as her uh, welcoming gift and she still has it in her coffee shop. So yeah, it was an awesome, awesome time. Awesome story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny because I'm thinking of like center field of Comerica park. Obviously it's one of the deepest center fields in, uh, you know, out of most stadiums, it's 420 to dead center, 420 feet. Um, but you know, I'm I'm trying to picture, I guess, exactly where you were because it's kind of like by the statues, you know, on the concourse in right field. Uh, so you obviously, you know, you had a glimpse of Jacoby because if you were in straightaway center, like you're behind the bushes, so it's like impossible to see, sort of. So you're right there, and then he obviously he heard you. He knew that someone was out there. They could see, and he's just like, you know, what? I'm about to just yoss this ball outside of the ballpark and see who catches it, if anyone. Yeah, he. He didn't even. He wasn't able to see me. Um, he just heard my voice and he just chucked it. And I was I was shaded more towards the towards the left. You know, if you if you're looking from from home plate, the statues are on your uh, more towards uh, left center field. I was more towards right center field, to the right of where like the waterfall would be and the cars. To the right side of that, I was shaded too. Um, and yeah, it went over the fence. If he knew that he was throwing the ball to 
Detroit Tigers mega fan Jake Wallach, he would have signed that baseball. He would have passed it around to the team. Hey, AJ, come over here. Oh, well, Hinch wasn't the manager at the time. <laughs> hey, Gardy, come over here. Why don't you sign the baseball for Jake? You know, he would have given you the full treatment. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny because I have – I don't have – I'm not a huge baseball memorabilia, memorabilia guy. Like, I, I mostly – I just want to be at the game and just enjoy it. You know, if I get a ball, I'll, I'll try to give it to a fan. But the two signed balls that I do have sitting in my room, there's a big differential in kind of the level of players. I got one signed by the legendary Al Kaline, um, the late Al Kaline, Mr. Tiger. And then the other one I have is from Brad Austin. Uh, when I uh, <laughs> when I went to spring training, when I went to spring training three years ago, he signed one for me after the game. So um, I've been trying to get rid of the Austin's one for a while, but it's uh, still sitting over here in my room. So Collecting some dust, I'm sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not in a, it's not in a case like the K line one is. That's for sure. Sure. How many how many balls have you caught over the years of going to games? Do you know? So I haven't caught one on the fly yet. Um, I think maybe the the a really cool one that I had the opportunity to get off the bounce was um, game five of the 2013 ALCS, uh, the last year that Jim Leland was manager and of course we lost in six games to the Red Sox um, after that game two grand slam from Ortiz but the last home game David Ortiz hit a foul ball and uh, I caught it well I didn't catch it but I caught it on a bounce so that was kind of cool um, but for the most part I just get I just get most of mine just in uh, batting practice I'm no uh, I know what's the guy on YouTube Zach Hample or something like that yeah, I know Zach- I'm not him you know you know, but uh, I, I'm not I'm not that lucky. But really, if, as long as it's nothing, it's not like a majorly important ball or anything like that. I really, really look for a kid to give it to. I usually try to spot somebody out before I even get a ball, um, because that's what baseball is all about, making memories for, for young kids. We need more young kids to understand how great this game is, it's the best game in the world, in my opinion. And um, so I just try to find out a young fan to give it to, you know, one it was awesome. You know, it had to have been maybe six years ago. I was at a Tigers and Red Sox game, spring training. I think Ortiz hit a batting practice home run, and I got a ball, and um, I was just looking for a random kid to give it to. I ended up giving it to this kid, and his dad came up to me, and he, he shook my hand. He said, you know, that really means a lot. My kid hasn't got a ball before. And I was like, you know, I recognize you. I, I don't remember where I know you from, but I recognize you. And he was – um I forget his name, but he was a very big guy on Fox two news. Um, and he actually, he passed away of a, of a heart attack about four years ago. Um, and you know, his son, his son obviously was left without a father now. And I just remember talking to him and, um, that was just an awesome opportunity that I got to meet him, um, because of that. So, sure. I mean, it will, it was, you know, completely a coincidence that you ran into, uh, whoever was on, you know, Fox two at the time, but still, uh, great, Great story. I've caught like, so I've ever, I've like never actually caught a live ball at a game, but I have, I think I've caught like 18 baseballs over the course of my attending, my career of attending Tigers games. Um, I went to Lakeland a couple, like actually no, more like 10 years ago. And I think I came home with like seven baseballs, but a lot of those were just, you know, leaning over the railing, picking up a ball someone tosses it to you so i've never caught a ball live in action uh that is still on my bucket list well well i'll tell you this brandon i was thinking about this the other day with such a limited capacity now 
you know, at baseball games this year, you know, you think about it, you know, only 8,200 fans are going to be allowed for opening day. Just think about the the people who are just going to go there to as many foul balls as they can get. You know, think about all the, all the more room there is to run around to get a, a foul ball compared to if the stadium has had double, triple the amount of that. So uh, the opportunities, I feel like, will be much more this year for those looking to get their foul ball. You are not wrong, but think about what it was like last season when you had no fans in attendance. How did, you know, who was going around collecting all the fall balls at the end of the game? Yeah, they, they had whoever was working inside the stadium. They must have, they must have had them go around and collect it after the game. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that, that's the only uh, thing that I could think of in my head. It's too bad that they didn't have a job posting for that on LinkedIn or Indeed because you would be the first person to apply for that position. I would volunteer. I would volunteer. <laughs> they don't have to pay me. Just to get inside the stadium, you know. Uh, I can't wait to walk inside Comerica Park for opening day here in a few weeks. It's definitely going to be an emotional moment over anything for me. It's just been waiting to get back inside the ballpark for a long time. Well, this is, for many reasons, one of the most interesting opening days uh in in history as far back as i can remember one because of covid and the limited amount of fans but also because of this team and the way that they have this new look and obviously led at the helm by a new manager in aj hinch uh which jake at the time of his signing you know some fans were excited about this and and other people as baseball fans in general weren't happy about it um we all know what aj hinch and the Astro and the astros uh did you know a couple years ago in 2017 and you know he's definitely got some history um now that he is back in baseball but for him for hinch he has this opportunity to uh, kill two birds with one stone you know he can sort of let go of his past and become a new you know person and bring new life to to him in the game of baseball and as well as taking this Detroit Tigers team to the next level so I'm curious Jake what are your thoughts on what we can expect from Hinch in his first season as a manager so plain and simple as much as you know I'm not the biggest fan of Alavila Alavila made a winning hire in hiring AJ Hinch he made a winning hire and he made a culture hire um, AJ Hinch is going to set up, you know, starting next season, we're going to start, we're going to start spending money in, in free agency. But what this year is going to all be about is AJ Hinch and his staff to really take time to evaluate as much of the young talent on this roster than we possibly can. Who, who's going to be here for the long term? Who's not going to be here for the long term? Once we get those core that AJ Hinch and his staff evaluate, you know, these are the guys that are going to be part of us moving forward you know, um, then we can start build around that um, based on who we're going to, you know, go after in free agency. But, you know, hiring a guy like AJ Hinch, you know, you think about it, we might have the best manager in baseball because before what happened with AJ Hinch in Houston, he was regarded as the best manager in baseball, both analytically. Um, he's got smarts across the board. Um, he's just an overall great manager, a player's manager. Um, and just because he was gone for a year, um, doesn't take away that label from him. He's back, and now he's with us. So I think he fell into our laps. I think if the White Sox had an opportunity to interview him, um, he would have went to Chicago. But they decided to go after um, a manager who has his AARP card, who won't be there for more than a year and a half, who's not going to take them anywhere, in my opinion. Um, so I think we got lucky um, to get a guy like A.J. Hinch. Um, I'm very, very excited. Um 
I'm very excited what he's going to bring here. Um, his staff, that I think I'm even more excited that the staff that he has on board. We we might possibly have one of the best staffs in baseball. You got a guy like George Lombard as his bench coach, um, who's going to be a major league manager sometime in the very near future. Um, you got Chris Fetter, who I also believe is going to be a manager at some point as well in his career. Um, who's really going to take the time to work with each of our pitchers individually. Um, uh, and then you got Scott Kubaugh as our, as our hitting coach. I don't know too much about Scott, but all I know is that the reviews um, from a lot of these baseball guys so far about the staff that AJ has put together um, have just been off the board great. And I think you see the competition um, really um, that he's building in spring training. It's much different than the last few years. Um, He's not going to accept losing here for too long, and he, he's made that a point. He talked – one thing that really stood out to me about A.J. Hinch is he said the word winning his first day here. He, unlike Ron Gardenhire or the managers before, he made an emphasis that we are going to get a winning culture here, and he wasn't afraid to say it um, because that's just who he is. He won't accept anything less than that. Um, that's what he was used to um, in Houston as soon as he took the job. Um, and that's what he's going to build here, and I think it's going to be sooner than a lot of people think. Yeah, I. It's funny. I I completely agreed with everything you said as you were saying it. Like as you went along, I was just nodding my head. Like yes, yeah, like a thousand percent. Uh, and like you said about Avila, um, I I agree. I think it was one of the smartest hires that he has made. And what's crazy is, for a long time, I had thought like, okay, what's going to make this team potentially better again one day will be uh you know hopefully some some young talent but more so going after some of the big free agent guys which oftentimes that's not the case if you go after you know a guy like Garrett Cole uh you sign him to a long-term 10-year 300 plus million dollar deal he's not going to be that same Garrett Cole every single year of that 10-year contract there's just so many things that could go wrong uh so who would have thought at the end of the day that it comes down to the manager that it came down to signing AJ Hinch was for me, at least that last puzzle piece where it's like, okay, this whole quote unquote rebuild, which he said he hates that word. It, it, it shouldn't, you know, exist for this team. It's not a rebuild. Um, but you know, this whole rebuild, uh, is, is in the past and we are moving on back to those winning ways. So I'm really excited to see what Hinch uh, is going to do. I mean, you you can't really expect anything crazy right off the bat. I mean, if 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 we're being realistic, uh, it's not going to be an eighty plus win season for the Tigers. Uh, I think the 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 over under was set at sixty nine and a half. I believe in terms of total wins uh, for the team this season, I think they will win more than sixty nine games um, for sure. But nothing crazy. I wouldn't get too excited. Uh, and and something else too, one of, one of the moves that Avila made, which I loved, was some of the free agent signings and the guys that we brought along for nothing. Uh, Robbie Grossman, you know, we got for two years, ten million dollars. That was the first multi-year uh, deal that we've given out to a free agent since Jay up back in 2016. So you know, in some ways, yes, the Tigers are spending again, but they're spending small. You look at Julio Tehran. Uh, you know, Wilson Ramos, Nomar Mazzara, and like you had mentioned, Akil Badu, who wasn't, you know, a, a, a free agent signing, but he was the Rule 5 draft pick. We will go into him a little bit later. But the Tigers have made some really smart moves while not spending a lot of money. And I'm really excited to see what those guys can do. Yeah, I think you. I think the word you hit on the head right there was smart moves. We targeted certain players 
who we knew have been, you know, have either fallen off a little bit the last few years or are right at that cusp of being an above average player. There might be average right now, but the Tigers feel like with this new staff and um, the way that, you know, we're evaluating players, which I think AJ Hensher's staff is, is going to do, is really going to be able to try to bring them to that next level. I think the biggest guy is Julio Tehran. You look at a guy who was an all-star not too long ago, um, and then he kind of lost his way a little bit. And now, you know, in spring training, it's just spring training. That, that's all it is. It really doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, especially on the hitting side of things. I think on the pitching side, you know, you can see a little bit more. And Julio Tehran has been one of the standout guys so far in spring training. And that's why I'm so excited, not just about A.J. Hinch, but Chris Fetter, because the, some of these pitchers, I think we're going to be able to try to look at these little things, you know, because Chris Fetter is such an analytical guy and you know he got offers to go to teams like New York and Chicago and he turned them down to wait for his right opportunity and he accepted the opportunity to come to Detroit I think that says a lot and I think he's going to be able to take guys like Tehran, Daniel Norris, hopefully Michael Fulmer um, and really bring them to the next level um, of their game um, so I think the I think the word that you used correctly was smart moves you know the same thing with Robbie Grossman you know and I was listening to what I listened to a lot of AJ Hinch's press conferences and one thing he was talking about about Robbie Grossman is that move was made specifically because of all the strikeouts that we've had the past few seasons they wanted to bring in a guy um, a veteran kind of who can show how to work a good at bat and that's what Robbie Grossman does he works good at bats he doesn't strike out a lot um, we're going to put him at the top of the lineup most games, um, and he's just going to work good at bats. And that is one of the big points that A.J. Hinch has pushed so far in spring training is, you know, uh, uh, any strikeout is just – it's a wasted at bat. Um, and he's pushed the same thing on the opposite end with uh, pitching, uh, walks. We, he said – A.J. Hinch said, and I was listening on the broadcast the other day, that he would rather – on a 3-2 count, he would rather, you know, give up a double in the gap than walk the guy. He would rather – give them, you know, not necessarily a pitch to hit, but something in the zone um, that they're going to, you know, go after instead of walking a guy. So we're really, we're really pushing so far in spring training to maximize the most out of our pitching um, and our hitting. So I really like the philosophy that we have going on so far with our staff and our players. Yeah. Chris Fetter, you know, he was the pitching coach at Michigan. He has uh, no major league experience under his belt, obviously until now. Um, you know, joining AJ Hinch's coaching staff. Uh, what I'm really looking forward to, and I know you are too, is is how he's going to work with these young guys, specifically the young guys like Casey Mize, like Tarek Skubal, possibly Matt Manning. Uh, you know, if he gets the call as well, um, because that's what he's used to working with. He's used to working with guys uh, who are at the college level of their game. You know, players that are 20, 21 years old. Uh, and obviously for the Tigers, that's what's so top heavy in this organization right now is the young pitching talent. Uh, and, you know, like you say, does spring training stats matter? And, and what does that really mean? Obviously, Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal both got the call last season. Uh, Mize, you know, had some issues in, in terms of his command last season. Uh, he still had swing and miss stuff, but he was giving up homers. Uh, his command wasn't so sharp. If you ask me, between the two of them, Scooble looked a little bit better. Uh, and the same thing, that, that that same scenario is playing out right now so far in spring training. Tarek Scooble is looking 
lights out. I mean, he looks like he could be a, a, a you know, a, the third guy in this rotation right now, right under Boyd uh, and Turnbull, just because of how nasty his stuff is. And over on the other side of things, you have Casey Mize, who he's still lighting up the radar gun. I mean, 96, 97 with the fastball, his splitters is, you know, rather unhittable, but he's really struggling with his command and he's really struggling with the home run ball. So, do you think Casey Mize's spring training struggles, is that going to have an effect on him getting the call? Do you think he makes this rotation and, and Hinch gives him the chance? What, what do you think? So I, I think there's a lot that can play into that. You know, you look at, you know, the way Fulmer has pitched so far. You know, he had a good outing yesterday coming out of the bullpen. But um, And then you just see guys who maybe have the chance to overtake him based on how they played in spring training. Like if you have Tehran, if he's going to make it, you know, that's going to kick somebody out. You know, uh, now we did go ahead and – uh, Manning isn't going to start the season, you know, on the major league roster. Um, but I, I think, I think if I take a guess right now, I do think Casey Mize may, uh, does make the roster. Um, and, and obviously school, I believe does as well. Mize, as you mentioned, he has to work on his, on his accuracy. He, he's been off. Um, and yes, he, his fastball to me, and you, he does get up to 96, 97, but for the most part, what differentiates, what differentiates, differentiates, him between a Manning and a Scooble is Scooble and Manning can stay consistently at a 97, 98 mile per hour fastball, which means they're off speed pitches, which are still very good. They don't have to be, you know, as, as good. The thing with, with Mize is he mostly stays around, you know, the lower to mid nineties um, until he decides he wants to ramp up his fastball, which means, you know, his off speed pitches have to be, you know, on point for the most, for the most part. And, you know, he does have a nasty splitter, but in order to get people out with that splitter, you got to get ahead in the count. You got to get two strikes in the count. And he's, he's, he's falling behind hitters early. Um, like you said, he's giving up the long ball. Um, but this is something that, that Fetter is going to have to work with him with. I don't think there's any question that between the three with my Scooble and Manning, um, Scooble and Manning have definitely stood out um, much more um, over Mize, especially Scooble when it comes to how they performed in the big leagues, you know, last season in that short period of time. But at the end of the day, I do think Mize makes the roster, um, especially because the minor league season isn't going to get started for a month more, a month ahead of time um, compared to the start of the major league season. So do you really want him, you know, what's he going to get more out of, you know, coming back to the big leagues, which he's already got a taste of last year, or, you know, pitching in taxi squad games, you know, uh, which I don't know how much you can really get out of at this point. I think it's Casey Mize's time to to really, really get his feet wet in the big leagues, and he's just going to have to go through it the hard way, kind of just go through the fire and learn learn from there. You know, he has all the talent in the world. Um, it hasn't shown up yet, but it's so, so, so early. That's, you know, we're just, we're really um, looking at, very, you know, we're we're looking really hard into it. Um, his very few starts that he's had an opportunity to go at so far, and I just think the more that he that he gets after it and gets a chance to see big league hitters, um, the better it's going to be. Um, so I do think he does uh, end up making the roster. Right. It's it's fair to say that because, in in a sense, we are being a little harsh on him. Obviously, he was the number one overall pick. Uh, you know, a few years ago, and there's been so much hype around him. It's not like you can expect this guy to go out on the mound, you know, go seven innings every every outing, strike out 10-plus guys. You know, it's he, he's still young, and, he, and he's got a lot of, you know, there's still plenty, plenty, of plenty of seasons left in the tank for Mize. Um, when it comes to Julio Tehran, though, you know, I, I, I really like this signing, and obviously if, 
if you haven't been paying attention, um, you know, in, in, in detail to what the Tigers have done so far this spring, Julio Tehran has been a key guy in this rotation. Um, like you said, you know, he's got a lot of seasons, a lot of veteran guy, um, spent the majority of his career with the Braves. Uh, he's with the Angels last season, but was pretty atrocious. Uh, just really didn't have his stuff, but so far he's really racking up the strikeouts. Tehran is a guy that's not going to throw fast. I mean, he, you know, he's anywhere from 93 to 95 with his fastball, but his fastball is lively and it has great movement. Um, his sliders look great too. Uh, so it's again, spring training. It's a small sample size. The real test will be this season. Is Tehran going to make this starting rotation? Uh, and if so, you know, how long is he going to last? If he is successful, is he a possible trade ship, you know, halfway through the season at the trade deadline? Uh, you know, and how can we work around that? So there's, it, I'm curious to see, to see how, you know, at least Tehran's situation is going to play out. Um, but the starting rotation in a whole, or in whole, excuse me, is kind of all over the place. Michael Fulmer just has not looked like himself. He's dealt with injuries and surgeries, and he's coming off of Tommy John. Uh, he's looked horrible as a starter. He's not looked great. He's given up home runs. His, his, his fastball velocity is not what it used to be. Uh, but he did come out of the bullpen the other day. He pitched three innings. Uh, I think he had three strikeouts, and he looked pretty good. And I, a couple episodes ago, I had mentioned I think Fulmer should start out of the bullpen uh, to begin this season just to kind of get him, ease him back into things. And I feel like Hinch is, is slowly going in that direction. I had read a free press article the other day where Hinch had said he was considering moving Fulmer to the bullpen. Uh, I'd love to see Daniel Norris, you know, make that rotation last the last season. He was between him and Fulmer. They were kind of, uh, you know, starters, a couple innings they'd start. And then some guy would come in relief, you know, they go back and forth. They piggyback off each other. Uh, I, you know, I, I believe, like you said, that Norris is another one of those guys that's right on the cusp of, of being a tick better than average and can really make an impact on this team. And then you, you know, the Tigers also got, um, uh, what was his name from Miami? Uh, Urias, or not Urias. Uh, he's their starter. He's got Jose Urena. Urena. He's got, he's, yes, he's got the weird name. It always, it always, uh, confuses me. But, you know, he's looked okay so far in spring training. Derek Holland has actually looked really good. That's a guy who, uh, you know, used to be, uh, used to be a household name and then quietly has just not been great over the years. He's ra- I don't even think he's given up a run so far this spring, which is crazy. His velocity, his velocity is up there. He's hitting, you know, 94, 95. He had a few years with San Francisco where he was just sitting around his fastball sitting at 91, 92. I don't know where this velocity is coming from, from Holland. I don't know if it's something he's working on with Fetter, but yeah, no, I agree with you. You can keep continue, but I, I really do like Holland as well. Yeah, it's it's just it seems like the Tigers are have always been this team. I mean, granted they've been in a full rebuild mode for the last six years, but they've tried to pick guys that are sort of diamonds in the rough just to see, you know, what's possible and what could happen. Uh, and obviously they've taken a, a chance with you know a guy like Holland who they're just trying to give him another shot, and he's quietly proving himself. And that's a guy where you know at at the beginning of the season or in the off season. You would think, okay, if the Tigers add Derek Holland, he's going to make a huge difference. And you'd be like, what? No, there's no way. But now you see that, you, like you said, his velocity, his average velocity is going up. Uh, his strikeout rates are is, is through the roof. So it's it's guys where, you know, they can surprisingly turn things around. Another another um, 
signing that we have yet to talk about that I'm really intrigued about uh, is Renato Nunez, who is the first baseman for the Orioles. Uh, you know, that guy, as, as quote-unquote of a no-name player that he is, I mean, in 2019, he had 31 home runs. And who would have thought? Because he was playing in a, in a market with a team for the Orioles. You know, they've also, like the Tigers, been one of the, the worst teams in baseball. But you, you quietly bring over a guy like that to be our full-time first baseman. If he could hit 30 home runs, that's crazy. I mean, we haven't had a first baseman hit 30 more or more home runs since Miggy. And, you know, how many years ago was that? So, and same with Mazzara, another guy who hit 30 or more home runs. So it's, it's these, these quiet little additions that haven't costed this team much money at all that could be the change and the difference uh, in this team and, and wins for the years to come. Yeah, I think Nunez, the issue with Nunez, you know, he does have you know a lot of potential with his bat. His defensive, he's a big liability out there at first base defensively. Um, and AJ Hinch has talked about that. He said that in order for him, to, and AJ Hinch, what I've noticed from him so far, he's he's a straight shooter, not only with the media but with his players. And and he said it straight out. He said, you know, if Nunez is going to make this team, he has to be able to play, you know, at least a solid first base. You know, I, I don't exactly I don't exactly remember the stat that I did hear, but I was listening to one of the games the other day. They just were talking about some of the stats, um, analytical stats that um, that Nunez had, you know, on the defensive side of the, uh, uh, the side, side of things. And they just were really bad. There's no other way to put it. Um, so I think he's going to be one of the guys who's going to be on the cusp of making this roster. But I don't think that it is solidified quite yet, especially with a lot of the competition that's going on um, on the offensive side of the ball. I'm also excited too, because Hinch had mentioned that he plans on giving uh, Miggy some time at first base this season, which again, I don't remember the last time Cabrera played first base. You know, he's primarily been the designated hitter for the past couple seasons. And the thing about being the DH is, you know, if you, struggle at the plate like we've seen Cabrera over the years and you you go 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 you you don't have that opportunity to go back out in the field and make up for it defensively and to to get you know and in, into a better mental state of mind and Cabrera's had to deal with okay well if he strikes out you know then boom straight back to the bench till your next at bat could be a couple innings later so I'm I'm glad to see that Hinch is giving Cabrera a chance to play some more over at first base I mean Sure, he's getting up there in age, but I mean, his obvious comparison is Albert Pujols, who's has played more first base over the years uh, than Cabrera has. Um, and obviously, there's the news that Pujols is there's potential that he's going to retire uh, at the end of this season. That's a story for another day because one could argue that Cabrera's time is coming to an end soon. But I, I love the fact that Hinch is, you know, giving Cabrera this opportunity to play. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see how that's going to impact his numbers at the plate. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good ending right there, what you just said. I think if there's one thing that we've noticed over the past few years is there are games that Miguel Cabrera just seems like he wants no part of. And most of the time it's it's due to him not getting a lot of – we know Miggy, and Miggy is a guy who likes to talk to guys. He likes to be involved in the game. And when he's involved in the game and he's happy – he seems to be better at the plate. And the last few years, you know, mostly spending time at, at the DH position, he's not involved in the game. You go up to the plate every few innings, you go back in the dugout, 
you're not joking around having fun and as small uh, as an idea that might sound it really i do believe plays a big role in miguel cabrera's um performance at the plate i think um him getting more involved will um i don't think there will be as many bats that at bats that he gives away not to say that he gives away a lot of them but uh, uh the, the last few years i've noticed that he's he's given away a few at bats and he just doesn't seem like he's you know in touch with the game as much but when he's out there and he gets that opportunity to um, play defense um, he loves being out there interacting with everybody I think it it will show at the plate um, how much will it will we ever get vintage Miggy back no we're, we're not going to get you know 2012 2013 and before Miguel Cabrera back but if we can somehow get him to being a 260 270 hitter who's going to give you 20 to 25 home runs a year um I think that's the Miguel Cabrera that, you know, we could, we can only hope for at this point. Um, but the only chance that that's going to happen is if yes, what AJ Hinch and the staff is doing, allowing him to get the opportunity to be involved in the game more. And, and AJ Hinch understands that he, he doesn't want to throw Miguel Cabrera out there, you know, knowing that, you know, how, what he is defensively at this point in his career, he knows it just like me and you do. Um, but he also understands that, that the only way that you're going to get, production out of Miggy at this point in his career is making him happy. And to be honest, he's earned it. Um, you know, he, he's been a tiger now for, you know, over a decade and um, he's been part of a lot of winning and uh, he doesn't deserve to be uh, sitting on the bench, making all that money um, as a designated hitter. Let him, let him be involved in the game. We're not, you know, going for world series right now. Um, not for hopefully, you know, hopefully not too far off, but, you know, we still have the opportunity to, give him some opportunities to play first base well he's in his age 38 season now uh he is 13 home runs away from a career number 500 home runs he's also 134 hits away from uh, 3,000 total hits in his career jake do you think it's possible that we could see miggy enter the elusive 3,000 hit 500 home run club he would be the seventh player in that category uh you know to uh, to achieve such a feat. Do you think it's possible that he could do that this season? Oh, I definitely think it's possible. Um, it really just depends on if he's going to stay healthy or not. If, if he stays healthy, um, I think you see Miguel Cabrera break both of those barriers this season. Um, if he's not healthy, then then no, because when Miguel Cabrera is not healthy at this point in his career, it's not a few games that he's gonna that he misses like like he did at the beginning of his career. When when Miguel Cabrera is injured in any shape or form, um, it's going to be 20, 30, 40 games or a full season at this point with with at 38 years old. So um, if he stays healthy, I believe so. Um, so that that's obviously something that. You know he's very much looking forward to, and I think obviously it's going to help his game as well because he's he's not only you know uh, he, he's working towards something of personal achievement that's only been done so few times in Major League history, so that will motivate him as well, which I think is um, a positive. Now I think in a relatively healthy season, Cabrera can easily surpass 500 homers. I think he's going to have more than 13 home runs this season. I think it's going to take a heck of a lot of vintage Miggy for him to get 134 hits this season. I mean, he's he's got to he's got to stay fully healthy. He can't have any DL stints if you ask me. I mean, he's got to be 100% completely healthy. He has to be that uh quote unquote Miguel Cabrera is in the best shape of his life 
coming into spring training in early February shape if he wants to have 134 hits. Um, that remains to be seen, though. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, one of the most exciting, intriguing storylines so far for the Tigers this spring. Someone who was a no-name player that really, when when this news broke, it wasn't uh, a huge headline. No one was really talking about it, and I'm sure you know by now. Uh, that's Akil Badu. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Akil Badu was a Rule 5 draft pick, which basically means you you pick, it's super complicated, uh, but the long and short of it is you basically get to pick a player who's available from another team, uh, you draft them, if you are not happy with the way that they perform, uh, and they don't make your roster, they go back to the team that you took them from. Uh, in plain English, that's just the easiest way to explain. So we draft Akil Badu from the Minnesota Twins. I think we took him third overall. Uh, I think he's he's like 6'1", 6'2", true lefty, uh, and center fielder. He's got some speed. And it's like all of a sudden this guy, you know, he hits a home run, and then he hits another home run, and he's getting doubles. And he's, he's walking all the time. He's got this great eye. And arguably he is you can say the the best player on this team right now and there's no way that he doesn't make the roster what are your thoughts on Akil and do you think that he will get the call so I think if you would have asked me this question two weeks ago I would have said the chances are probably around 40 percent less than 50 percent today as it stands uh like you said I would be extremely shocked if we let if we let him walk, because as you said, you know, a rule five draft pick, not only does he have to make the team out of spring training in order to not be sent back to his original team, which is the Minnesota twins, which is also plays another factor in here. Do you want to send him back to a, a division, you know, rival, but he has to stay on the season. He has to stay on the roster, the entire major league season as well. So you're not only taking up a roster spot going into the season, but by 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 taking Akil Badu and keeping him on your roster, you're, he's filling a roster spot for the rest of the season, unless obviously you decide to to let him go during the season, which is very unlikely once he makes it out of uh, spring training. And then obviously, um, if he stays on the the roster the full season, he becomes part of our farm system, or maybe not our farm system. Maybe he you know stays up in the majors and uh, just. That would be great, and he makes a mark for himself there um, with us. Um, but, you know, I think absolutely. I think when we talk about A.J. Hinch and the things that his philosophies and his uh, culture points that he's really tried to place so far in his time here, Akil Badu covers a lot of that. He covers, you know, great plate appearances. Um, he's a guy who could, um, he can bat lead off. He could also bat, uh, you know, with, his, with the power that he's showing. He could, he could bat really anywhere in the lineup. Um, another thing that we haven't even mentioned yet, I forgot to mention about uh, A.J. Hinch's philosophies, is um, versatility. Um, he loves guys who can play a lot of different positions. And Akil Badu can play a lot of different, mostly outfield positions. He, he can play right field, center field, left field. He's tried him at all of those so far this spring training. Um, he's a fast guy. Um, not, you know, nothing electric. You know, he's no Billy Hamilton out there but he's going to challenge, you know, pitchers when he's up there at first base, he's going to make them think. Um, and uh, he can definitely get his steals. He's shown that so far in spring training. So those are a lot of the, 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 the philosophies that AJ Hinch has. 
um, you know, challenging on the base path, um, can work in at bat. Obviously, we've seen that he has some power. Um, he hit another home run yesterday, his fourth of the spring, um, and he's he's very good defensively as well. Um, so in my mind, there, there's no at this point. It's it's thinking about whose spot is he going to take on the roster, not um, not the other way around. He's going to make this roster. We're not going to let him go back to the Twins. Um, and so now it's just you know whose spot is he going to take up? Um, so you know guys like maybe Derek Hill, um, who probably already had a pretty slim shot. But you know you think of a guy like a Nunez, you know that might be a spot that gets taken up from Badu, but. Um, Badu is definitely going to be making this roster and, um, he's definitely been the most, one of the most pleasant surprises to come out of spring training this year. It's, 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 it's important that you mention that, you know, the twins is the team that we drafted him from because obviously the twins are in the AL central. And if he doesn't make this roster and we send him back to the twins, that would be the biggest buzzkill because, Odds are, I mean, we've seen this. We we know what he's capable of, of potentially doing, uh, and you know, in terms of offensively at the plate, and to basically give that up for nothing, uh, and watch him rake over with the Twins in our division would be a tough pill to swallow. I I compare his this situation a lot to uh, Randy Rosarena. I mean, Randy obviously he was he was one of the top one of the prospects for the Cardinals. But, you know, they traded him to the Rays and basically they wish, you know, they, they ate their words in a sense. They watched Randy Rosarena become the face of Major League Baseball, the face of the postseason. I mean, who was this guy, you know? Definitely the face of the postseason yet to be determined, uh, you know, to be the face of Major League Baseball. And and obviously if he can carry uh, those numbers and everything that he put up in, in the postseason last season uh, into the regular season. But... It would definitely be a tough pill to swallow. Uh, the other our, our side of the argument is, you know, if we do add Badu, you have a crowded outfield, uh, one that would feature Jacoby Jones in center, who he's, you can't move him, if you ask me. He is so good defensively. He's been, really, it's been so unfortunate with him at the plate the past couple of seasons because he's definitely got some all-star potential, and then he gets hurt. He gets hit by pitch, and that's it, and he's out for the season. So it's it's really unlucky with what he's had to go through uh, and deal with. I'm sure, you know, he, like I said earlier, if he knew he threw you the baseball last season, who knows what, what things would look like when he when he threw you the ball outside of the stadium. <laughs> uh, but you had Jacoby Jones in center. You got Grossman in left or right, potentially. Uh, and then you have, basically, you'd have Nomar Mazzara, uh, Victor Reyes, and Akil Badu. So you have a couple options there. Uh, you know, in terms of the outfield, obviously Nico Goodrum, if need be, could play outfield as well. So it, it's definitely a, a busy outfield. I mean, at this point, like, do how much can we bank on Victor Reyes to be an everyday outfielder for us? Uh, there is the potential with Nomar Mazzara to have that. He adds a power stroke um, to this lineup and, and to that outfield. But I think it's essential at this point, as as far as how much we've seen from Badu, um, that he's he makes this team because it would be horrible to let him go and watch him rake with the Twins. Yeah, I think potential is a good word that you use because when you have when you make a decision like this in an evaluation, you have to look at okay, yeah, as you said, we have guys who who in certain people's minds are solidified in certain spots in the outfield, but when you look at a few of those guys, you know, Victor Reyes, 
okay, when you look at the potential of Victor Reyes, his ceiling compared to the possible ceiling of a kid like Badu, you know, I see Badu's ceiling much, much higher than a Victor Reyes. Um, Victor Reyes is, he's, I mean, I don't, I hate to use just a cliche word, all right. I mean, he's, he's had his time, he's had his, you know, opportunities and he's looked good, but he's, he doesn't have, I feel like we've seen his ceiling. I don't think he's going to be, you know, anything crazy above average. I don't even think he's, he's average, to be honest. Um, he's all right, in my opinion. Um, Badu, I think, is a guy who is going to be a fourth outfielder on this team, um, kind of uh, the, the go-to guy when we're giving either of those three guys a day off in the outfield who's going to get, get the opportunity. Um, and then, you know, Mazzara, he's only here on a one-year deal. Um, uh, he might be a trade ship as well. Um, at some point. Um, so, you know, I really, and then Jacoby Jones is another guy that you mentioned. Yes, we all love Jacoby. He's become, you know, a fan favorite here in Detroit. Um, but dare I say, and if you disagree with me, you disagree with me, but, you know, dare I say he's a bit overhyped in, in my opinion, not defensively necessarily, but, but, you know, at the plate, you know, and, but as you mentioned, he's, he's had his injuries the past few years. He He's not that good where we would have to really debate not, not having a guy like Badu on the roster, you know, because we want to make sure we give Jacoby all the playing time. Um, you know, he's not, you know, a star in this league quite yet. Um, but, you know, I think there, there's room for Badu. Um, his potential, we don't know what his ceiling is yet. I mean, we know that he's a good player. Can he turn into a star? Possibly. I mean, we don't know. He could. Um, so, yeah, you don't want to take the, the risk of, you know, of not having him make the roster just because we have a crowded outfield. We have to really evaluate the outfield and really how crowded is it when we really think about it in terms of, you know, guys who uh, really haven't solidified a name for themselves quite yet. Um, so, uh, and that could be something you might disagree upon, but um, I, I I definitely think, uh, as as we mentioned, Badu will be making this roster and he'll get some playing time as well. Yeah, I just think from the standpoint defensively, Jacoby Jones is one of the best defensive center fielders that the, the Tigers have had, I mean, since Austin Jackson, really. I mean, Jackson wasn't anything crazy, uh, you know, of a defensive god when he played for Detroit. He was a good outfielder, but, I mean, I, I don't remember the last time the Tigers have had a glove out in center like Jacoby Jones. Uh, you know, his ability to save runs defensively is huge. And it's tough that he's he's dealt with injuries at the worst of times just because when he gets hot, it's like he gets hit on the wrist and that's it and his season's done. Uh, but Jake, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here. I am curious to hear what are your what is your best case scenario for the Tigers this season? I would say best case scenario is a good majority of these young guys perform the way that you know we see it happening we there's you know a few names that we haven't mentioned yet you know willie castro who's also having you know a really good season uh i'm sorry really good spring training um he had a really good you know the time that he was up here last year he performed really well the number one thing about him that aj hinch is really working on is his arm throwing from shortstop to first base he's a little bit lackadaisical at times and we've seen it a few times already this spring training he has to be able to consistently get the ball over to first base but but at the question it, broadly um that you were asking i think the best case scenario is we really aj hinch and his staff are able to get the most out of these young guys on the roster and really get a chance to evaluate them i, I you know 
A.J. Hinch, as he's mentioned multiple times, he's not a guy who's um, ever going to go into the season expecting losing. Um, he's going to try to build a winning culture from day one, even if, you know, we're not expected to really compete for much this season. Um, but I think it's year one under, you know, a new staff. I think it's going to be all about evaluating the talent on this roster, getting these coaches used to the guys that we have, what they're able to do, what they're not able to do, who's going to be part of our future, who's not, and then also establishing this culture. Um, A.J. Hinch has is known for his winning. He doesn't lose so far since he's been in the majors. And, you know, what is he going to bring to this team that hasn't won much in, you know, almost, you know, five, six years now um, that is really going to start so that year, you know, and not after this year, but year two and year three, you know, how fast are we really going to, to get out of the mud here? You know, we're, we're, we're starting to step out of it, but I think this year is really going to tell us, okay, you know, how fast are we going to be propelled starting next year once we spend some more money in free agency? You know, are we going to, if some of these, if more than not of these young players really perform this season to, uh, to our liking, we could start competing for a wild card spot starting next year based on those core group of guys that, that Aja Hinch is able to evaluate and the guys who were able to target in the off season. But you know what, if, if my struggles, if Scooble struggles, you know, you only get maybe one of these pitching prospects who to really look good this season. And, you know, obviously, you know, at the hitting wise, we don't even have as much, you know, young talent, you know, if these guys don't perform, we're going to be in a tough spot because then, you know, do we really want to go out and spend all this money on free agents with uh, no young core um, that's building around. So, you know, we just, we just need these young guys to perform and uh, the culture, to be set in the way that AJ Hinch wants it to. So, well, Jake, I think you said it best. There's uh, definitely some pressure uh, lying on Hinch's shoulders this season, whether it's the things that he's going to have to face a lot on Avila as well. But I, I think overall, there's going to be a lot of positives that come out of this season. Um, hopefully where there are some surprises thrown in there. So, you know, obviously at the end of the day, you want, you hope every team hopes that, uh, the, the way that they can solve their problems is in house, that they don't have to go out and spend a ton of money, uh, to try and bring along some addition to their team to really make a difference. Hopefully Willie Castro could be that guy for this team. If Akil Badu makes this roster, who knows what he's capable of. If Michael Fulmer could actually have, you know, a decent season potentially out of the bullpen. And what will the Tigers bullpen look like this season? We really didn't touch up on that, but it, uh, you know, in, in short summary, it looked pretty good last year. Gregory Soto, uh, you know, will Matt, will Matt Boyd struggle again like he did last year, or will he have a season like he did in, in 2019? So there's a lot of questions, uh, and, you know, a lot relies on this season in terms of the future. But, Jake, I, I want to say thanks for coming on and joining the show today. It was, it was great having you on. I know we've been meaning to do this for a little while, but uh, I'm glad we could finally do it and, and talk some baseball. Brandon, anytime. Uh, big fan of the big fan of the podcast, and uh, I'm, I, I would talk baseball with you all night if I possibly could. Uh, I can talk baseball 24 hours straight, no sleep, no eats, and I'd probably have no problem with it. So uh, anytime, Brandon, thanks for having me. And uh Excited to get this uh, 2021 season underway and get some sense of normalcy back with everything, with fans back in the stands.